1: Because of the different additives in plastic, it's those additives that are actually often cancer-causing. It's those bad fumes that you might smell when you melt plastic down. Those are the things that are actually very harmful for your health.
0: We've been talking so much about plastic pollution, but how exactly is plastic even made to begin with? And what can we learn from that process to better understand its impact on our health? How can we deal with having friends or family members who maybe don't personally support the work that we do or believe that it can really make a difference? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. I wanted to take a moment to first thank our sponsor of this episode, which is Buffy. B-U-F-F-Y. Buffy makes comforters that are better for you and for our earth using fluffy filled made from 100% BPA-free recycled water bottles and a skin-friendly eucalyptus fabric as the cover called Lyocell, which you may know is one of my personal favorite and one of our currently most eco-friendly cellulosic textile choices. I'll tell you more later with an exclusive discount code, but for now, on to our episode. Let's dive in. Our guest today is the author of the blog and YouTube channel Snapshots of Simplicity, which is a diary and a guide to living more simply and sustainably. She's got a degree in industrial and packaging technology from California Polytechnic State University, San Luis Obispo, and now works full time at Cisco Systems as a sustainable packaging program manager. We had talked about intrapreneurship in depth way back in episode seven on Green Dreamer podcast, which is the idea that that you help to initiate change from inside of whatever company you currently work at, whether or not their focus is on sustainability. And our guest here has done exactly that within Cisco, co-founding their employee organization called the Green Team Network, which you'll hear more about soon. Green Dreamers, starting with what inspired her passion for the
1: environment. Here's Christine Liu. Ever since I was young, my parents would bring us out to go camping every summer. So I definitely had a deep appreciation for just watching the sunrise and the sunsets, you know, going biking in the woods. Because it's a big part of my childhood, I definitely was able to just respect how beautiful nature was. But it really hit me when I was in college, actually. I was studying packaging. And in my packaging studies, I first took a plastics course, actually. And that really got me to start thinking about. materials that we're using and a lot of our disposable products, how they affect our bodies and also the environment, and also where our products are going at the end of life. And my last quarter of college, I actually took another course and had a small little portion on sustainability and we had an employee from the local landfill who came to talk to us about the effects of packaging waste and that's when i first learned that the us makes up five percent of the world's population but generates about 40 percent of the world's waste and it really got me to start thinking what is the impact that i want to leave with this profession and packaging and this knowledge about what our industry is doing today
0: Wow. Wait, so when you studied packaging and you were studying plastic, was your course taught with the perspective of uh, the health and sustainability impacts of plastic, or were they teaching like the properties and functionalities of plastic as packaging?
1: Yeah, so the course is called Plastic Polymers and Processing. So the base foundation of it was understanding the different types of plastic resins, how they react to different temperatures and how they're manufactured. But it just so happened that a professor was very much interested in the studies of how it affects our health and also the environment. And he was very, very convinced that plastic had a very negative impact on our health when um, used at these extreme temperatures, for example. And especially when we're using in our food packaging, um, there's definitely concerns to be had. So definitely got the whole class to start thinking about what we're doing with this material today. Do you think he was conflicted teaching this? So like teaching the use of plastic packaging Uh, that he didn't really believe in? I, I don't think so, actually. I think he was very passionate about letting us know what he truly believed in. And he said, um, as packaging engineers or as packaging manufacturers, just know what you're going to be putting your, pa- your plastics in and know how they're going to be used at end of life, too. Mm. So your degree
0: is in industrial and packaging technology. So industrial right. packaging would be different than
1: what we see on shelves today, right, in consumer products? So it's interesting. My major is actually a blend of, let's say, industrial engineering, business, product design, and packaging. So we not only touch the manufacturing portion of packaging, but we also touch the packaging design process too. So there's many people in my major that might end up doing consumer packaging as well. So you already shared some shocking statistics, but what
0: stood out to you most about industrial packaging that made you want to
1: focus on the sustainability aspect of it? I think it was just seeing the huge disconnect between how much we consume and where it actually goes. So for myself, I think after studying packaging and manufacturing, I had a huge fascination and appreciation for how things are made. And um, yeah, just going into, for example, the grocery store, I loved being able to look at any type of packaging, pointed it and say, hey, I know how that was made. But then if I looked at a lot of other people around me, they didn't care much about it at all. And they would throw away things without much of a thought. And they would throw quite a bit away too. So that definitely got me to really start taking it personally about how can I reduce my consumption and my impact as well. And can you share some some insights into how plastic packaging
0: actually is made? Because we talk about plastic packaging potentially being harmful to our health with the chemicals that are used or obviously not being readily biodegradable. And I'd love for you to share some insights into the process of actually making plastic
1: packaging from maybe like the raw materials. So plastic, in its virgin form, it comes in the form of pellets. And they're kind of like small beads. And essentially what happens is that those pellets are melted down using heat. And because of the different additives in plastic, it's those additives that are actually often cancer-causing. It's those bad fumes that you might smell when you melt plastic down. Those are the things that are actually very harmful for your health. So in the process of melting down plastics or forming them into different shapes, whether it's through extrusion or blow molding or all these different manufacturing forms, those types of additives will really release these fumes that are healthy for you. So there's a lot of concerns, for example, in food packaging, because a lot of times they're packaged in plastics and people don't know whether or not you can microwave something Mm -hmm. or if hot food is put into a plastic container, whether or not those additives are going to leach out again. I mean, through the whole process of me, like learning all the different manufacturing processes of plastic, I myself definitely inhaled a bit and it wasn't (laughs) the prettiest thing to experience, but definitely gave me a wake up call. What is it that we are using today in so many of our products?
0: Mm. Is it possible to make plastic packaging without any of the additives? So
1: just plain plastic? Uh, That I don't think so, because the additives usually give the plastic certain properties to either remain stable at certain temperatures or whatnot.
0: Mm. Because I've heard something like, if you have to choose plastic, choose the clear ones. So at least I think mm. they're easier to recycle or maybe have less di- toxic dyes. What's your
1: experience on this? I mean, I would think that's probably right. Um, I know that, for example, black plastic that's usually sold for, let's say a uh, cake cake boxes. Um, that is the lowest grade of resin. And that's usually like all of the recycled plastics altogether. Because when recycling centers are sorting through all the different colors of plastic, it's very difficult sometimes to sort it correctly. So oftentimes they put all of the weird colors all together, put in a lot of black dye. And then usually at the end of life, that type of plastic will not be recycled anymore because they can't make it into any other color. Mm. So basically, even clear plastic that maybe has less
0: dyes than colored plastic, that still has chemical additives in it. So we should still Mm -hmm. be aware of that within food packaging.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, so much to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely gets you to start thinking. But uh, slowly but surely, we're going to find that there are alternatives out there that you can substitute instead of plastic. Definitely. So for you, what did your professional path in sustainable packaging look like after after getting your degree? So I actually started off with a job in IT. So I, was, I worked as a business analyst at Cisco. And within a year, I mean, I gave it some time. I gave it some thought. And I was like, I want to give this company, I want to give this type of career a chance because my major was very broad and so many people went all different directions. So I didn't know whether or not I was actually going to go into packaging. But within a year, I decided that IT wasn't my thing. And I was also networking at the time throughout Cisco, the company, and was able to bump into quite a few sustainability folks. And sooner or later through my networking, I was able to hop onto the packaging team where I was able to drive sustainability initiatives. So that was a completely new role where I was able to apply some of the principles that I knew about reducing waste, some of the principles I knew about packaging as well, and then reduce packaging and our carbon footprint at Cisco.
0: Yeah, and I saw within Cisco you also co-founded the company's internal employee organization called the Green Team Network. And yes, I, I, I believe this is called entrepreneurship where you're taking on an, an initiative inside of the existing company that you work at. And I feel like entrepreneurship will be key to changing a lot of our big corporations that currently aren't very sustainable because people just shouting from the outside, not really understanding the inner functions of a company might not be as powerful as voices and influences coming from within from people who actually understand the company's challenges and limitations, but also want to help them improve. So with this in mind, what are your top tips for people who might currently work for a company that isn't necessarily focused on sustainability, but Mm -hmm. want to be a change maker from within as you've done?
1: Yeah, so I would suggest the first thing is to find like-minded people around you that might want to do the same thing. Um, So for me, it just started off with, you know, starting that green team, where what we do is we would green our office spaces. We would encourage people to, let's say, for example, um, not use disposable cups and encourage them to bring their own, run these little contests. And sooner or later, we found there's a lot of people who really supported what we did and getting that buzz and garnering that buzz and just growing the team from chapter to chapter throughout the world and being able to establish that organization that definitely like got up to, um, our chief of people of human resources, as well as our CEO. And people are now talking about it more. So I think, yeah, I would say be encouraged. There's so many people out there that care about it, but maybe aren't as vocal about it. So you just have to find them and encourage them to speak out, to come together and try to make a difference for the company.
0: That's awesome. And what do you think is most effective in terms of, influencing the key decision makers in big companies like Cisco?
1: Hmm, That is a very good question. Um, So I think one of the best bangs for the buck, I would say, is if you can tie sustainability with the business impact, that's a huge sell for a lot of business corporations. And at the end of the day, Businesses are out there to make profit. And in order for people to have jobs, you need to make money in some way, shape or form. But if you can be really smart about it and ingrain sustainability. So for example, um, we had to make the business case and also the sustainability case for reusable versus disposable cups. And it did end up being a business benefit. So trying to make sure that you always keep the business in mind is gonna really make the financial people happy. And there
0: definitely are so many financial benefits and cost savings to mm-hmm. being more sustainable. So I think we're on the right track. We just have to really emphasize that part of the equation for companies. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for you, alongside of your full-time job, you also started your blog and YouTube channel called Snapshots of Simplicity. I watched some of your videos. They're so beautifully done and so creative. So thank you for think, putting yeah. this out into the world. <laughs> um, I'll definitely link to this in the show notes so we can keep following your work and your videos. But it takes a lot of work too to run a blog and a YouTube channel. So what inspired you to start
1: this? So my last quarter of college, um, because I had a really big passion for packaging sustainability, I actually applied for a social entrepreneurship program called the Do School. They're based in Berlin, Germany right now, but I was there in Germany for the last quarter of my, um, college degree. So I took that last quarter off to essentially study abroad and I decided to go there into that program to incubate my idea of how to make packaging more sustainable. And essentially it was a group of 18 different fellows from all over the world that were in all different areas of social and environmental entrepreneurship whether or not they want to be activists or business owners um, but I got to go there and work on the sustainable packaging challenge with H&M the clothing company mm-hmm. while also incubating my own venture to bring back to my own home country which ended up being my blog which is snapchat the simplicity so it first started off as I as a packaging girl wanted to reduce my packaging waste. And my original blog name was actually called Packageless because I thought we could package less, but also go package free. So that was my first kind of way around it. But then sooner or later, I found the zero waste movement and then also wanted to tie in my passion for minimalism. So I kind of just rebranded it all into snapshots of simplicity.
0: I love it. And in your journey, in your personal journey, reducing waste,
1: what have you found to be the most challenging part? I would say the most challenging part is sometimes you might get discouraged by people that might not support you. So, for example, I know that when I first started, I was living at home with my parents. I'm not saying that they're discouraging, but I think a lot of times people are going to say, oh, this lifestyle is so impractical. It's not convenient. Why are you doing this? Do you think you're really going to make an impact on the planet and For myself, I was like, I feel a lot more true to myself if I am really able to follow through with my actions. So I think that discouragement maybe kind of got to me sometimes, but I really told myself, hey, even if people think I'm weird, even if people might say no to me using my container at a specific store, I know it's the right thing to do considering the background that I have and what I've been learning all these years.
0: Mm. I've definitely had close family members say the same thing to me as well. Like, you're just one mm-hmm. person. You're not going to make a difference. And it is tough. So how do you deal with this, especially when it comes from a close friend or a close family member like your parents?
1: I just tell them, I mean, look how far I've gone for these past couple of years. I started off just as an individual, just wanting to share this passion and this awareness about this issue of waste. And look how far that passion has brought me. I don't want to be... I guess it's a humble brag, but like the <laughs> fact that I've been able to make this blog and also co- like author a book, that's just a crazy wild dream that has been accomplished in the past couple of years. So that's why I say to just anyone, if you are passionate about it, if you are acting in the right time, in the right moment, that's the most powerful thing that you can do right now. So with your YouTube channel, you share a lot about, as you
0: mentioned, minimalism and simplicity and reducing waste. Mm -hmm. What's been like the
1: most viral or popular video? Definitely has been my apartment tour. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that just blew up all of a sudden without me even knowing. (laughs) And it's been really fun to kind of sift through the comments. But I think the reason being is because people love to look at how people live. And the home is really representative of what someone's personality or character might be like and just the way that they go about their everyday in their home is, yeah, it says a lot about a person. Yeah, I
0: interviewed another uh, YouTuber. She's Erin of My Green Closet. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she also said the same thing. She said her apartment tour was also the most viral video. So it's so funny that Mm -hmm. I guess people just want to sneak peek into other people's homes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So
0: with you having a full-time job and also you authored a book, you're running this blog and YouTube channel, what's been the biggest challenge for you balancing these things as you're trying to build your platform to be able to share this lifestyle with more people?
1: Yeah, so I guess a little update for whoever's listening to this podcast. I'm actually taking a short break from work right now because I'm working on my mental health. And I think, yeah, being an overachiever or perfectionist or just wanting to get a lot of things done is really easy to overlook rest Mm -hmm. and to not give yourself enough credit for how much you do. And I realized that three years too late, I would say, I mean, I've been working for three years, doing this blog for three years, but Um, It's just been a nonstop marathon, I would say. And I never really gave myself a true break and would constantly get sick. So I think for me, the toughest thing was giving myself a pat on the back and saying, you can sleep in, Christine, you can take a break. And um, unfortunately, I burned out and I'm trying to build myself back up again and figure out the next steps as well.
0: Yeah. You mentioned it was three years too late. What was that (laughs) final straw that made you finally put the foot down about this?
1: Yeah. So I'm currently going through some anxiety right now. And I didn't realize that I had anxiety until I finally gave myself the time to go to the doctor because my husband was like, Christine, you've been getting a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. We should really go to the doctor about this. And eventually there's one day at work where I just couldn't like keep myself up. I couldn't focus. And I just felt really out of my element. And that was the day that my husband told me, Hey, you should just consider taking a short term leave from work or just taking off some time to really rest and take care of yourself. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Of
0: course. What do you think has been the most powerful part of you having made this decision? Hmm.
1: I think the best part about just taking the short term leave is that it's really given me the time to take care of myself first and really allow myself to be just happy with resting because I think yeah, we live in a society where it's so busy and there's just so many things going on and we're constantly being told to push ourselves even harder, to climb the corporate ladder, to get higher pay raise. But to be honest, the fact that I've taken this break, it's really just put things into perspective. And I realized that there's a lot of things that I don't need in this life that I'm often like forcing upon myself. So whether it's like a really awesome career or a super successful blog, like all those things I kind of had in the back of my mind as awesome goals I've always wanted to have. But just taking this break has allowed me to rethink, um, refocus and really just focus on what are the things that I truly value in this life It's just honestly, it's my relationships it's my passion with this blog. And yeah, it's just the people around me. So I'm trying to refocus on simplifying my overall life, my routine to just be a lot more slow, I would Mm -hmm. say.
0: And I feel like you're definitely not alone. We're just in such a fast-paced world that constantly encourages us to buy more, throw things out, go faster and faster. So I feel like we're all on this treadmill together. So Mm -hmm. what would your biggest tip be for us? Or what's the biggest learning lesson you had from your own experience that you can share with us to help uh, those of us who also feel very
1: tired from being on this treadmill? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I've started to do again is I have one day where I don't look at my screen at all. And that's usually Sunday because I also go to church and I can just spend time with friends and family and really focus on being present and just appreciating the day for what it is. Because honestly, like every morning I usually find myself turning on my phone, checking my email, trying to answer things as soon as I'm up. And then that just gets me in the hustle of things. I'm just nonstop from there. So Give yourself a day to sleep in, to just not look at the screen at all. Maybe go outdoors, explore the nature, and yeah, just be with people. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely,
0: I still wake up and check my phone and it just derails my day. <laughs> I do so too. I need feels, to like yeah. <laughs> just sit and be mindful first. Mm-hmm. So you recently published a book, Sustainable Home. Massive congratulations on that. Was Thank there you. anything you changed your mind about as you were putting this book together or any light bulb moments? To be honest,
1: I actually don't think I had any huge light bulb moments, I would say, because this book, actually, I would say it's all of the things that I was thinking about when I was working full time at Cisco. And I didn't have time to work on the blog, but wanted to share with my readers because, yeah, working full time and blogging is really difficult to juggle. So my blogging wasn't as regular. But all the ideas that I had about what I was doing in my life and doing to make my home more sustainable, I wanted to share that, but I just didn't have time. But the book really just forced me to put everything into a manner that was digestible for readers and hopefully also inspirational, too. So I think, if anything, I'm just really glad that I was able to have that push to get everything out there into this physical form of media. We'll definitely have to
0: check the book out itself to learn more from you. But what's like the biggest message you want to
1: get out there with this book? Yeah, actually, there's this one quote that I actually found that I put in the conclusion of my book that I'm going to read yeah. real quick because I think it's not my own quote. I don't remember who it's from, but I wrote it down because I thought it was very timely for a lot of the people in the world that are looking to start sustainability um, but are just not thoroughly convinced that they can – Make an impact on the world. Mm -hmm. So um, on page 154 of my book, the quote that I shared was the power of one man or one woman doing the right thing for the right reason and at the right time is the greatest influence in our society. And I love that because I know there's a lot of things in this book that I share about what you can do in your home. But I think a lot of people feel powerless when it comes to making those changes because again, yeah, they might be afraid that it won't be making an impact. But I think that quote is so powerful because if all of us were to be thinking in that negative or pessimistic sense that we aren't making an impact, then the whole world would not be moving forward at all. So that's just some encouragement for everyone to look up and to keep going because we are making progress, even though it might seem a bit bleak sometimes. And taking another step back, when we
0: think about packaging in general, what do you see as our biggest roadblock to having a system where uh, packaging is sustainable, whether that's a system where packaging is indefinitely recyclable or collected to be reused
1: or backyard
0: compostable, huh. well, or just no there's... packaging at all?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty difficult, I would say, to pinpoint what exactly is the one root cause of why is there so much packaging in this world and what can we do to reduce it i think one of the biggest inhibitors is the fact that our society is so global now and that e-commerce and the availability of global goods is just so prevalent now so we need packaging to protect our products and to ship everything if we can really focus on local economies and trying to lower our footprint to just our local areas that would make a big impact on how much packaging we do use the second thing of course is also product fragility i think a lot of people don't really think about this but how fragile a product is is going to determine how much packaging it needs. So mm. for a lot of electronics, per se, you're going to have a lot of types of foam that are usually not recyclable, are more harmful for the environment. And then those don't have any, any end-of-life solution. So you also have to think about the fragility of your products and making them more robust. So those are just a couple of things that I would think of from the top of my head.
0: Aren't there those uh, – I don't know what are th- what they're called. Are they corn Chips or made out
1: of some biomaterial where you can put it in water and it dissolves for the foam type things? Yeah, there's so many great innovative materials out there. It's just about some of these materials might not be available globally, which is really difficult for a company like Cisco per se. I as I've been working there, I can see a lot of the challenges that we are having. So if we if it does if it's not available at different regions, it's very difficult to manage it if only one region has that material. Mm-hmm. And of course, out of the goodness of my heart, I would say I would love to just at least implement in that one region. But it's often very difficult to manage so many different products with such a small team and then try to always make sure the quality is still on par with all the other uh, products that are using different packaging. So that's one thing. Um, cost is also another factor, which, of course, is It's tough, but um, I would say that usually the cost of sustainable materials is often more expensive, too. What do you
0: think it'll take to have these healthier materials become available globally and for the cost to come down? Is that even possible? I would say
1: it, it probably takes large companies like Cisco to really step up and say, hey, we want to be able to work with this small company and really kind of foster them up. Or if we can get a collection of companies that are willing to come together and try to get these materials to be more mass manufactured per se so that they're more available, and that would be great. But sometimes these small companies don't have that big customer push or business push for them to be able to grow their operations at such a large size that a lot of our businesses need today.
0: For sure. So we definitely need uh, continual entrepreneurship, like what you've done, to influence the decision makers in big companies. And for us as individuals, what do you think we can do to help support a world with less packaging issues?
1: First thing I would say is just speak up, whether that's through voting or whether it's through talking to businesses that might not have so good packaging. I think a lot of businesses are aware of the issue of plastic packaging waste now. And I see that and can witness that from my experience at Cisco and the amount of customer inquiries that we get about what type of packaging is going to be sent with specific products. Is it going to be, um, sustainable or not? Is it recyclable? All those different questions. So I know that businesses that care about their customers are the ones that are going to survive in the end. So be sure to tap into your businesses and maybe, It seems like a hassle to make that small email or that phone call, but it really gets them thinking. For sure. Because again, like when we buy a product that's a little
0: more sustainable or when we send an email, it might not feel like we're having an impact, but from within a big company, you feel like this really can influence their future directions.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because once you get the ball rolling and there's more customers saying the same thing, then the... Business is going to have to start thinking about something. Otherwise, they're going to be losing business as
0: well. And beyond the world of packaging, what do you think we need most to accelerate towards
1: a thriving and healthy planet? I would say the thing that we need the most in order to make our planet more sustainable is more action from the people that are aware of the situation. I think a lot of people know that global warming and climate change is an issue, but we're not doing enough to actually change that. And unfortunately it might be a bit more difficult for some to do that. I mean, I live in California, so I think we have better access to a lot of greener solutions, but I think it's some action on part of the individuals, but it's also on part of the government too, about offering these solutions so that it's easy and accessible for people all throughout the world and in different facilities too. But unfortunately that isn't valued right now or it's not the main priority. So I think, yeah, it's a combination of both People that care about it, really voicing their concern and actually taking action, implementing those solutions. And second, it's the government or the businesses that offer these solutions to make sure that it is accessible to people all throughout the world.
0: And what's next for you that we can look forward to and support?
1: We know you just published the book, so. Yeah, so a couple things are coming up. So I'm considering blogging full-time, so that's still on hold. But um, just expect that I will be producing more content online. I'm doing website read as well as just publishing weekly videos. And the second is that I'm also planning out a book tour, so that should be coming up. In the next coming months, I'll be starting out, starting out with California first and then going throughout the United States and I just also got news that my book is being translated into Polish and also Chinese so hopefully also a chance to go abroad and be able to share my story there too. That's awesome and where Mm -hmm. can we go to
0: stay updated and follow you online and on social media?
1: Yeah so I'm available on Instagram, Facebook, through my blog I have an email list and also YouTube. The account is called Snapshots of Simplicity with no spaces. So you can either go to snapshotsofsimplicity.com. Otherwise, it's the same on Instagram or YouTube.
0: As I mentioned earlier, our sponsor for this episode is Buffy, which makes fluffy, eco-friendly comforters with recycled BPA-free plastic bottles as the fluff, and one of my favorite fabrics called Lyocell, made from eucalyptus, as the cover. They've got over 11,000 reviews of customers agreeing that it's the softest, fluffiest comforter they've ever tried, and I have to say, I received the sample they sent me recently, and I'm officially chiming in to agree with that statement. But that's just for me. Bedding is obviously Really personal and Buffy knows that as well. So you can actually try their comforter in your own home for 30 days for free. And if you don't love it, you can return it. For $20 off your Buffy Comforter, visit Buffy.co and enter Green Dreamer as one word as your discount code. Again, that's B-U-F-F-Y.co and discount code Green Dreamer for $20 off. For now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting
1: social media account or publication you follow? Yeah, so I think my favorite social media account is, it's a faith-based account. It's called Desiring God. Um, It's actually very personal to me. The whole reason why I even started this journey of sustainability is because of my faith. So it kind of keeps me grounded to be able to see those posts and to make sure that I'm just very true to my heart, I would say. Yeah. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I tell myself or I just remind myself of all the opportunities that I've had for the past few years and how thankful I really ought to be for all the good things that have happened and that hopefully those things will encourage me to keep going and keep dreaming bigger as well. What's one thing you do for your health either
0: daily or weekly? I try to sleep a lot (laughs) because I love to sleep. (laughs) Important. Uh, What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? So I'm actually revamping
1: my wardrobe. Um, I haven't gotten any new clothing in quite a while but with this new season of life I'm actually really excited to embark on a new season of clothing as well so I'm gonna hopefully pare down a bit more and make it more simple. Uh, What makes you most hopeful for a planet right now? I think it's amazing to see how much the zero waste movement has grown in the past couple years. I remember when I first started it was very difficult for me to get access to certain sustainable products or get things in bulk but now there's so much availability online and it's been so encouraging to see. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? Don't overlook your network. I think that I've made the biggest impact with the people that I've met in my community, whether it's online or in person. So that's through my blog. That's through my work as well. So when you can find like-minded people that are really passionate about the same issues or the same problem statements that you guys want to solve, be sure to connect so they can encourage each other and really try to work together to make an even bigger impact together.
0: How can you collaborate with people already inside of your network? Oftentimes we can make an even bigger impact when we work together. So don't be afraid to reach out and connect with like-minded people around you. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com 97 for episode 97. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.